For more than a year, ominous rumors had been privately circulating among high-level Western leaders that the Soviet Union had been at work on what was darkly hinted to be the ultimate weapon, a doomsday device. What they were building, no one could say. Hello, Now Playing listeners. It's your host, Stuart, here to reassure you that the world has not come to an end. No matter how crazy things feel right now, we all just have to look back at the 40-year Cold War between America and the Soviet Union to recall that living through history is stressful, but mankind is also resilient when we learn to stop worrying and find a little black comedy in crisis. That's what I hope to do anyway, now that Now Playing is focused this April on the 1964 Stanley Kubrick classic, Dr. Strangelove. It's the movie that dared to laugh at nuclear annihilation, made in the months right after the Cuban Missile Crisis when it really looked like a punch of a button could end it all. Pink Panther star Peter Sellers earned a well-deserved Oscar nomination playing three parts, a flustered British soldier, an incredulous American president, and a diabolical Nazi scientist, all trying to duck and cover as Slim Pickens prepares to ride a 50 megaton warhead into movie history. It was the scariest farce of the 1960s, but does it have any wisdom for today's audience? I launched into that debate with co-hosts Jacob and Arnie last Friday. Here's a portion of that review. I think this opening scene after you're told about the doomsday device and you get this very romantic, try a little tenderness as B-52s are being penetrated by a phallus and being refueled in the air. Like it's got a very romantic feel, but it's military plane. It's an image that's burned into my head. Just this opening refueling of a plane. Yeah, the title Dr. Strangelove never sunk in in my early watchings of it. The idea that they're really going to go there with the idea that the act of war is also an act of lovemaking. But it's here. It's right here in the romantic way that these planes are refueling each other to these strings and all of that. It's meant to imply that, yes, this is a very strange love indeed that we have with our phalluses and our missiles and our own self-destruction. Yeah, you can't not see it. The final scene where it pulls out after it's injected its fuel and you have it just kind of bouncing there like a phallus is not subtle. I don't think I got it when I was really young, but this time it's the way it's going in and out and things like that. I think as a kid, I probably just thought, you know, you're refueling planes mid-flight. It can't be that steady. Now I'm like, wait, this is obvious. I would guess, I don't know, I have no evidence to say that this is true. I would guess many people that just walked into the movie that hadn't heard about it would not get the joke or wouldn't even get that this was a comedy. Again, they're looking at black and white. They know this is about the bomb. Why would that be funny? I mean, maybe the title kind of tells you something. I mean, I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb. It's kind of a play on How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, which was a popular satirical book about all the dirty dealings that happen on in in the office, office politics. I've heard about that, and I didn't ever put together that that's what how I learned to stop worrying was in reference to. I've always found the title with its extension awkward, and watching it the first time, I just thought it was called Strange Love because of the character. It draws very much attention to a really minor character until the end of the film. When writing my plot summary, it drew out for me exactly how little Strange Love really does until the very end. Yeah, I think it's in there just for the name. Like Stuart said, it's describing this strange love we have where we're going to destroy ourselves. 
But I do have a question, just logistics. We're told later that these B-52s, I guess they're always up in the air. They're always like two hours away from their targets inside the Soviet Union. Yeah, that's actually been confirmed by Robert McNamara and other people that they realized, well, what was happening was it stopped being about bombs and it started being about missiles right around the end of the 50s. Now, all of a sudden, we had long range, didn't have to man it. The feeling was that if if they launched missiles, we wanted to be there right away to be able not to stop the missiles themselves, but at least to strike fast. And so, yes, we always had a Western route, a Southern route. We were always having, I think they said a dozen or more planes, 24 hours a day. Their missions were a full day long. There were usually two pilots in the B-52 for that reason to make sure that, yes, if they got that word, if that came through, if something had been blown up, that they could respond that quickly. It is really scary the more we talk about it, how close we came to complete annihilation. Yeah, no, it it was called mutually assured destruction mad for a reason. I don't know when that term came about, but yeah, the basic strategy was we'll just blow everything up. If you hurt me, I'll blow up the world. I'll take my toys home and blow everything up. Like that is crazy that that we lived on the edge of that philosophy. Yeah, that was a term from the 50s, I believe, if I remember my history right, when they were doing the nuclear bunkers and things. That was all the rage. Yeah, I don't think that the old generation, the people that were creating the suburbia of the 50s, prospering in the Eisenhower era, I don't think that they would prone to find any of that funny. And in many cases, they were shielded from a lot of that. I mean, it was really Khrushchev and the Berlin Wall and the Cuban Missile Crisis that suddenly they couldn't look away anymore. The threat was becoming too real. Everything that we saw happen and people from the Manhattan Project had spoken out. Eisenhower himself, when he retired, he was the general that everyone loved. When he left office, said, you got to worry about the military industrial complex. They're going to kill us all. I mean, he didn't, I'm paraphrasing. But again, it really changed in the 60s, the sense that, yes, this is a very grave matter. And so again, I would hazard a guess many in the audience weren't laughing yet watching this movie as it gets started here. At the Burpleson Air Force Base, I think that is a joke, burp, I'm guessing. That's how I took it. Yeah, but that kind of gonzo writing, it definitely would become popular in all kinds of beat generation. I definitely feel a Kerouac sensibility to it all. Yeah, when you push it so far where you have a President Muffley and a Colonel Bat Guano, like, okay, I get what you're doing. You're not trying to be sly about it. You got you got your politics on your sleeve, your satire on your sleeve. I see what you're doing. I don't mind, like, because this does go so over the top. And you can hear the rest of this classified conversation when you become a now-playing patron at the $10 monthly subscription rate. Really a steal when you consider the hours of content that come from being a now-playing patron. We have recorded exclusive shows for all kinds of movies, including other wartime classics like Apocalypse Now, recent blockbusters like Get Out, Lego Batman, even titles picked by listeners like you. Now Playing really gets to tackle movies that would never fit into our sequel retrospectives programmed for Totally Free Tuesdays. So I really think you're seeing a new side of the show and the hosts when you donate for those patron shows. You'll also be helping us cover operational costs so that we can continue to produce all the content that we do, two shows a week now, for several years. We can only do that because of the financial support of our Now Playing patrons. We give back with extra content that you guys tell us you love, and we're happy to do it. What you got to do is go to our patron Podbean page, 
nowplayingpodcast.com, click the support tab. They'll guide you to that link as well. And you can follow the instructions and become a Now Playing patron. That's going to give you the credentials to, again, get in the bunker with us, hash out Dr. Strangelove this April. And in the months ahead, we're also going to be looking at other popular titles like Clerks or the Stanley Kubrick Spielberg collaboration AI Artificial Intelligence. Keep now playing alive. This is not a drill. We really love that folks are able to reach into their pocket and push that big red button and keep now playing going. For over 12 years now, I'm incredibly grateful and wish you all good health. Stay safe. Keep listening. And I promise we'll pull through with all our bodily fluids preserved. in a life after this one I know I'll have to answer what I've done I think I can yes well of course you can of course you can without patrons we couldn't keep doing the shows we put out every single Tuesday you just start your countdown and old Bucky will be back here before you can say if you enjoy now playing please head to iTunes and leave us a five star listing it's the best way to help spread the word about the podcast That is precisely the idea, General. That is precisely the idea. You can follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini-reviews. Links to our social media pages are available on our homepage. Well, it's good that you're fine and and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. (laughs) Now Playing Podcast is produced by Arnie Carvalho. I can no longer sit back and allow communist infiltration, communist indoctrination, communist subversion, and the international communist conspiracy to sap and impurify all of our precious bodily fluids. Associate produced by Jason Latham. He had a sort of, well, he went a little funny in the head. You know, just a little funny. And, uh... He went and did a silly thing. Now playing is edited by Stephen and Arnie. They have neither the time, the training, nor the inclination for strategic thought. Now playing credits read by Brock. You recognize my voice? I do, sir. Why do you ask? You don't think I'd ask if you recognize my voice unless it was pretty damned important, do you, Mandrake? No, I didn't say no. The opinions expressed on now playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. We are rapidly approaching a moment of truth both for ourselves as human beings and for the life of our nation. Now, truth is not always a pleasant thing. Venganza Media Incorporated is not affiliated with the motion pictures reviewed or otherwise referred to herein. I shouldn't tell you this, Mandrake, but you're a good officer and you have a right to know. All movie clips and music included in this podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review and no infringement is intended. We don't want to start a nuclear war unless we really have to, do we? Are you certain of that, Mandrake? Now Playing Podcast is an exclusive trademark of Venganza Media Incorporated and may not be used without the expressed written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved. Well, I would say, sir, that there was something dreadfully wrong somewhere. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2020, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed 
without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved. My little baby, I can't, I can't talk to you now, but my president needs me. <laughs> <laughs>